The following sermon is from Faith Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Join us on Sundays for our 8.15 and 11 a.m. worship services. For more information, visit us online at faith-pca.org. Follow along with me uh, as I read. This is God's Word, Colossians chapter 2. Can continue our study, Colossians 2, 6 through 16 this morning. It's on page 984 in your Pew Bible. Also be on the screen behind me as I read. This is God's Word. <clears throat> Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition, according to the element, elemental uh, spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. Think about that. In Jesus um, dwells God, and you have been filled in him. Uh, that's amazing stuff that Paul keeps going back to, the fullness of God in Christ Jesus that we have available to us. He continues, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Then he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them in open shame, triumphing over them in him." This is God's Word. Let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to meet us this morning, to show us Jesus and apply this passage uh, to our hearts so that we leave here differently. That's what we're after. So let's pray and ask God to do it. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for that. It's no accident that you've brought us to this place. Um, We're here uh, because you have us here. And I pray that whatever it is that we're dealing with or struggling with, that we would be able to hear you this morning speak through your word. Would you sustain my voice? Would you take this word and place it in people's hearts? Would you show us ourselves more about who we are, but also more than anything, show us Jesus That's what we want in our church. That's what we want in this time together. Uh, Everything that happens in this building and will happen in this building tonight, we want people to encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would be more beautiful and that people would be changed. Only you can do that. I can't do that. And so would you come and do that in our hearts and in this service this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Susie and I, in college, we had a friend who wanted to make it in Hollywood, and he went off to Hollywood after college, and, you know, he's picking up all sorts of jobs, and he ends up in Sweet Home, Alabama, the movie, uh, as an extra. 
And we'd heard about it, and so when the movie first came out, <clears throat> it got to that place in the movie where he was supposed to be in the background. He's at the wedding scene, the most important part of the movie, where Reese uh, Witherspoon has to make the decision, and, you know, she's going to marry the wrong guy instead of the love of her life. And so it's a really important scene, and he's, like, in the wedding somewhere seated, and Susie and I are, like, looking for him in the background, and we got co- so caught up in the background that we missed the foreground, that, that we missed what the movie, the most important part of the movie and the main thing. Uh, and we do that all the time, don't we? You're watching a recital, you're watching a play, and you're focused on who? Your children. Uh, and you miss the main thing. You miss the play. Or maybe you did it yesterday watching football. You had some people you knew were at a game. And you're on TV, and every time there's a shot, you're looking for them in the crowd, seeing if you can see uh, your friend, so much so that you're missing the actual play uh, and the game. We could go on, and, but I tell you that because that's really Colossians. That's the book in a nutshell. These false teachers had come into the church, and they were distracting these Christians, uh, trying to get them caught up in the things in the background. They get caught up in the background so that they would lose focus and miss the main thing. They would miss the foreground, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in summary, we could summarize Colossians, the letter, this way. Paul says it, he said it once, and he's gonna, he said it more than once, but he's going to keep saying it again. Jesus is the main thing. Keep Jesus in the foreground. All spiritual fullness, everything you need for life and godliness is in Jesus. Keep him front and center in your life. He is all you need. That's Colossians. And in this passage this morning, Paul tells us that walking with Jesus, growing spiritually, running the race, however you want to put it, is no different. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to keep Jesus in the foreground. And you hear that, and you're probably like, well, yeah, I know that. That sounds really obvious to me, but is it? Is it obvious? Because here's what we tend to do. Slowly and subtly, this is why it's so important, as we think about getting on with the Christian life and growing spiritually, you know who moves to the background very slowly and subtly? Jesus does. And you know what tends to move to the foreground? Things like Bible reading plans. that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's a tool. You know what tends to move to the foreground? Jesus moves back. Accountability groups. Is that a good thing? Absolutely, that's a good thing. Uh, discipleship programs or curriculum moves to the foreground. And we could go on. And Jesus slowly moves to the background. And if we want to grow spiritually, we've got to keep Jesus in the foreground. That's what Paul is saying once again here as it deals with spiritual growth. Two things we need to keep in the foreground. Number one, these are the two points if you're a note taker, the gospel. And secondly, the benefits of the gospel. The gospel, the benefits of the gospel, we've got to keep front and center. And so let's look at those two things. Number one, the gospel. Look at verses 6 and 7. 
Therefore, anytime we see that word reading our Bibles, we should think, "Uh uh-oh, something's happening. It's a Q word. And so Paul is changing uh, ideas here. He, it's really the same idea, but he's introducing a new section in the book. And he says, just as you received Christ Jesus, walk in him, rooted, built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. If you're looking for verses to memorize in Colossians, this is it. These two verses. Scholars will tell you these are the most important verses in the entire book. They're a summary of the book. Everything that Paul said up into this point, summarized here. Everything he's going to say in the rest of the book, summarized in these two verses. They're an outworking of these verses. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. Continue in him. And so then the question is, how did you receive Christ? Well, everyone's got a different story, of course. Uh, But at a foundational level... Receiving Christ involves what we call repentance and faith. It revolves, I see my sin, I realize I'm a sinner, and I realize that Jesus, and I trust in him by faith, he's my only hope. You recognize that you're a sinner at foundational level, and you need a Savior, and you need to be reconciled with God. You take your trust from yourself, and you place it on Jesus. And Paul is saying here, as you walk in the Christian life, as you grow spiritually, that's the posture that you keep. You keep the posture and you walk through the Christian life, repentant, seeing your sin, being humbled by your sin and your helplessness, and crying out and seeing Jesus is my only hope. You grow, say it another way, the way you begin. So why is that so important? for us to get our minds around? Well, because the default mode of the human heart and what is natural for us is to move away from Jesus and to trust in ourselves, to move the gospel and Jesus in the background and move ourselves to the foreground. Our tendency is not to see our helplessness and walk through life seeing our helplessness and dependence upon Jesus. That's one reason, but the other reason is I think everything in the world pushes back against this idea of continuing the way you started. Think about the corporate world, think about school, think about anything. This world is about advancing. This world is about promotion. Think about the education system. You move from kindergarten, you go to elementary school, You go to middle school, you go to high school, to college, you go on perhaps to get a master's degree into a PhD, uh, and the goal at each of those levels is increased competency. The goal is self-reliance. The goal is, I did this, I can do this, it's self-discipline, but this passage teaches us that's not what the Christian life is like. That's not what life with Jesus is like. It's not like graduation and moving through school. Instead, the Christian life is lived in what, I love this, Kent Hughes, a commentator, calls new birth realities. And so the longer you walk with Jesus, the more you, would see your, the more you should see your neediness. The more you should see how much you need a savior. And so as you grow, you see your neediness, but who else gets bigger? Jesus gets bigger because you realize, yes, you're a great sinner, 
but Jesus is a great Savior. And one of the reasons why we quit growing spiritually or we get stagnant is because as we walk through, we stop seeing the profound links that Jesus had to go to to save us. And Paul says, no, remember as you walk through the Christian life to walk uh, in a manner of the, as the way you received Jesus, to walk that way, repentance and faith, humility, trusting in Jesus every day of your Christian life. And then Paul reiterates it. Look at verse 7. This is a little bit stronger way. Established in the faith, just as you were taught. Paul is not talking by faith here about trusting in Jesus. He's talking about the Christian faith. Uh, and so as you are being established in the truth and as you're learning and growing, you must maintain and stay rooted in the saving truths of the gospel that you were taught at the beginning that first led you to Christ. Dick Lucas is a commentator. This is a really strong quote. Listen closely. Many owe their first knowledge of Christ to evangelical truth. And so many owe their knowledge of Christ to the basic elementary truths of the gospel. That's what he's saying. You're a sinner. You need a Savior. And then he says, listen, yet how many now say that they have outgrown such simplicities? But to grow beyond, here it is, the saving truths as we were faithfully taught them is not to grow up in a way that pleases God and is not to grow up in a way that profits the church. Such fancied superiority and knowledge calls for honest self-examination, listen to this, to see if true loyalty to Christ remains. That is so strong. Because what that is saying is if you move from the gospel, if you move from the basic truths of the gospel, you need to check your heart. You need to check your relationship with Jesus. And I think this is so challenging for us uh, because oftentimes we think as we grow with Jesus and walk with Jesus, is that's the elementary stuff. Now it's time for me to get on to the advanced stuff of the Christian life. And you know who had that same message in the church, at Col the Colossian church? That's what the false teachers were saying. They were going to these Christians and they were saying, hey, what Paul, that elementary stuff, that gospel stuff, yeah, yeah, but you need the advanced stuff if you really want fullness with God. And what Paul is saying here is that this is, the gospel is the advanced stuff. It is the advanced degree. It's everything. You never graduate from this school, the gospel school. It's the school that you never leave, that you're in for the rest of your life as a Christian. And he makes it clear that continuing and walking in faith is not through increased competency, but he says it's about deeper roots. Look at verse 7. Having been rooted and built up in him. So this idea of being rooted in Christ, now, the root system as believers is always the gospel. That's in Jesus, the person of Christ. And so to walk in a way and to continue in the faith means that you've got to tend to the roots. 
You've got to deepen the roots. You've got to, what do roots need? They need water. Water, what does it do? Nourishment, it strengthens the roots. And so growing as a Christian is primarily about taking your roots that started in Christ when you became a Christian, taking those deeper, to say it the way we talked about it at the beginning, to move Jesus and keep Jesus in the foreground of your life. Let me say it yet another way. Christian growth focuses on the root, not the fruit. Christian growth focuses on the root, not the fruit. The reason why it got quiet is because we tend to think of Christian growth as focusing on the root and right behavior. Now, if we drive our roots and focus on the root and we drive deep into Jesus, and into the roots of Christ, what will happen? The fruits will come. The fruits will be there because the roots will be healthy and the result will also be, look at verse 8, when we drive our roots into Jesus, it keeps us from being captive by philosophy and empty deceit and elementary spirits of this world that Paul talks about in verse 8. And so how do you drive your roots deep into Jesus? Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Word and prayer. Open up your Bible, go to the Gospels, start reading and say, the Holy Spirit's job is what? To shine the spotlight on Jesus and make Jesus beautiful. So we should be regularly in our life begging the Holy Spirit, show me Jesus, make Jesus more beautiful to me, take my roots deep into Jesus so that I understand him in a richer and deeper and fuller way. What else? Well, we come here to Sunday worship, don't we? We hear about Jesus. We're reminded of what it was like at the beginning. We're a sinner. We need a Savior. We get in small groups, and we talk about Jesus. We come to this table where we see Jesus. And I think it's so helpful because one thing we're really good at in Christianity is making growth in the Christian life really complicated and really difficult and confusing. So I think this is helpful because it takes it down to one thing. You want to grow spiritually? Get to know Jesus. Get in the Bible and pray, God, show me Jesus. And so how do you know then if you're developing those deep roots in Christ and actually keeping him in the foreground? How do you know whether that's happening? Verse 6. Notice it says, Christ Jesus, your friend... Jesus is your friend, but that's not what it says. Christ Jesus, the Lord. One of the ways you know whether you're growing spiritually and driving your, going down deep into Jesus and being rooted in him is that the lordship of Christ is, starts to work its way through every area of your life so that more and more you start to say, Jesus, you call the shots. You call the shots in this area so that things you used to do, you stop doing and you start to do new things you didn't do. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. And the other thing we see, the other uh, evidence that you're growing and moving Jesus to the foreground and taking those roots deep in Christ, verse 7, abounding in entitlement. Is that what it says? abounding with thanksgiving. One of the things that God has been teaching me through this series, it's really small, but you see it 
through all of Paul's letters, and you've, we've already seen it here. You know what he talks about a lot as being uh, a characteristic of people who know Jesus? Joy, they have joy, and they are overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude. And it makes total sense, doesn't it? Because think about who abounds with thanksgiving. People who don't get past the gospel. People who are just marvel and fall down. Jesus loved me. Jesus forgives a sinner like me, and they marvel at the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's a test. If you want to know whether you're growing spiritually, this test only has one question. Are you abounding in thanksgiving? Would you be described by the people around you, that is a grateful person? There's a test. Secondly, let's look at the benefits of the gospel. Verses 11 through 15. Three benefits of the gospel Paul lays out, and here's the kicker, that we've already received. We're going to come back to this, but it's so important. These are not things you receive later. These are things you receive at the beginning, and that if we keep in the foreground of our life, we'll actually change our lives, uh, and we will grow spiritually. So let's look at these. There are three sub-points here. First one, we receive new life. The false teachers were saying, some have said, were one of the messages was that if you really want to be spiritual, then you get circumcised. And Paul says, wait a minute, Colossians, you've already been circumcised. And that's what he's talking about in verse 11. Let's work this out. In Christ, you were circumcised, but not in the way we think about it, like in the Old Testament, this uh, external sign of circumcision. No, <clears throat> you've been circumcised with a circumcision without hands. That's what Paul says. So that physical circumcision uh, was something in the Old Testament that pointed to spiritual circumcision. What is spiritual circumcision? A new heart. It is the Holy Spirit giving you a new heart. When you receive Jesus, the old you that was defined by sin and rebellion against God, is look at verse 12, is buried once and for all so that you actually become a new person. The old you, think about circumcision, is cut away, um, not by human hands, uh, not by anything you do or a system, the old you is cut away by the grace of God who gives you a new heart. And notice what Paul says. He's saying, you already have that. That is, if you are a believer in Jesus, that is a spiritual reality for you. Your, your hearts have been circumcised. You have a new heart. Your heart has been changed. It gets better. Verse 12, mind-blowing. Hard to get your mind around. You were also raised with him through faith. Think about this. The powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. You were raised, not will be raised. You were raised. And so Paul is not talking about a future resurrection. He's talking about if you believe in Jesus, you have Jesus in you. This is a spiritual reality right now in your life. 
You have new life in the Spirit. And the false teachers were saying, they were preaching fullness. And they were saying, hey, you know, come to us and we'll help you get to spiritual fullness. And Paul's argument basically is, how can you get any more power? How can you get any more fullness than this? Than being raised to newness of life with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing, Paul, this is his argument, compares to that fullness in what Jesus has done for you. And if you are a Christian, that is already true for you. I don't know how that all works, but let me tell you that if you want to talk about fuel for spiritual growth, you want to grow spiritually, you keep that in the foreground of your life. You keep that front and center, and you want to talk about change. As we live, if we're honest, I live oftentimes such defeatist lives We look and um, feel so powerless, don't we, over the sin in our lives. Romans 8 says, the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And so, friends, I don't know what it is that you're struggling with this morning, but the Jesus inside of you is way more powerful than the sin inside of you this morning. Keep that in the foreground, and that will change your life and the way you relate to your sin. The second thing is a new record. Look at verses 13 through 14. I love the way this is phrased. Having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Here's the image. Paul is reaching for a picture here that would have been very familiar to the Colossians. Whenever you were accused of a crime, convicted of a crime uh, in a Roman court, and you were sentenced to execution by crucifixion, they would put a sign above your cross. We see this with Jesus in John 19, a sign above your cross that would spell out the charges against you and the crime that you are paying for. And you know what Paul says? When Jesus died, there was a sign over his head. And there was a record hanging over his head. And it wasn't his record because his record is perfect. He didn't have any crime that he committed um, in reality. What was hanging over Jesus' head, what hung over him, was your record. That's what he was dying for. And so what is your record that you bring into here this morning? What does the sign over your cross say over Jesus, that hangs over Jesus? Adulterer? Pornographer? Maybe hypocrite? Maybe liar? Abuser? self-righteous, a gossip, hangs over Jesus. And through his death, he pays the penalty for your sin, and he cancels your debt, and he gives you a new record. That's good news, isn't it? He gives you a new record. He takes your record, whatever it is, 
and he gives you a new record. And why is that so important? Because some of us cannot get past our sin. Some of us have been walking with Jesus, but we're stuck and we're full of shame and guilt over things we've done 20 years ago. And, we, and it keeps us from moving forward because we can't believe it's really true. And Paul's saying it's really true that Jesus has died. It's been nailed to a cross. It is finished. You have his record now. And if we keep that in the foreground, it will change our lives. And that's one of the ways we grow by keeping the forgiveness of God for all of our sins in the foreground. It's one of the reasons why we do the confession every single week. Every single week, because we want to keep it in the foreground, because we really don't believe it. It's one of the keys to spiritual growth. Martin Luther, you might have heard this story, but he had a dream. He found himself being attacked by Satan, and Satan comes to Martin Luther and rolls out this really long scroll of all of his sins, all of his ways he sinned in thought, word, and deed. And then Luther says, is that it? And Satan comes and rolls out another scroll, and then a third scroll, and then another. And then when he got done, he says, well, I'm done now. And Luther said, you forgot something. Now go back over all of those things that I've done, over all of those scrolls of my life, and you need to write, the blood of Jesus cleanses me of all of my sin." Notice he didn't say, I'm not guilty. He didn't say, I didn't do that. He didn't say, I'm not a sinner. No, Luther, he said, it's all true. But Jesus has paid the debt for all of it. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lastly, freedom. So we get a new record. We get a new life. Freedom and victory. Look at verse 15. The picture here is that the war is over. So the image, this is what would happen. A general would return to a city. They would parade in after a battle or a war, and they would have their army behind them. But you know who else would be behind them? The prisoners of war, the enemy army. And they would parade that army through the middle of the streets in open shame so that they would see the glory of the general, and they would see that these once proud enemy soldiers were now um, being put to open shame. And Paul is saying that on the cross, Jesus was put to open shame. He was put to open shame for you. And it's through the cross that all of your enemies and all Jesus' enemies are dealt with and defeated once and for all. If you have received Jesus, your enemies, the only thing in this world that can really hurt you, sin, death, and the devil, have been defeated, disarmed, and disgraced. And Jesus is the victor. And the picture is, of followers of Christ, we march behind Jesus. We march in a victory parade because Jesus has won the victory for us. New life. New record, new victory. And notice, let me say it again, it's not something you received after like 10 years of walking with Christ and you're really spiritual and you've really stayed committed, then he gives you this thing. No, no. He gives you all of that right at the very beginning. 
when you place your trust. You get all of that. And Paul is saying, you want to grow spiritually? You keep that new life, new record, new victory. You keep it in the foreground. I'll close with this. C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. There's this scene where Lucy sees Aslan. He's the Christ figure in the story. And she says, Aslan, you're bigger. And Aslan looks and says, that's because you're a little older. And Lucy responds and says, not because you're older? And Aslan says, no, I'm not older. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Do you see it? That's the picture. That's the picture of spiritual growth. As we drive our roots and keep Jesus in the foreground of our lives and the things and the benefits of the gospel in the foreground, Jesus becomes bigger in our lives and in our hearts so that slowly but surely we start to change and grow into who he's already made us to be. Verses 8 and, or 9 and 10, in Jesus you have the whole fullness of deity that dwells and you have been filled in him. Just as you receive Christ Jesus, walk in him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for sustaining me, my voice. Thank you for all that we have in Jesus. Forgive us for thinking we need more. Forgive us for thinking we need something extra. Help us to see that we have all we need. Holy Spirit, shine the light on Jesus in our lives in this service as we close on the table. And may Jesus become more real to us so that we grasp how beautiful he is, so that we might grow and be made more like him. I pray that it would be true of us. Every year as we grow, Jesus would become bigger in our lives and in our church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.